Between 1985 and 1991, a significant change took place in the former Soviet Union. That change played a major role that led to me writing my book, Kingdom Education. I grew up in the Cold War era. The Cold War referred to the ever-present threat of war between the East and West, but primarily between the Soviet Union and the United States. The massive Soviet Union was under communist rule of Russia and was defined by what was called the Iron Curtain. Now, the Iron Curtain is a term that received uh, prominence after Winston Churchill's speech in which he said the following, An Iron Curtain has descended across Europe. See, he was referring to the boundary line that divided Europe into uh, two different political areas. Western Europe uh, had political freedom, while Eastern Europe was under communist Soviet rule. The term also symbolized the way in which the Soviet Union blocked its territories from open contact with the West. Now, during the early 1980s, cracks started appearing in the Iron Curtain. As a result of these fissures, Mikhail Gorbachev, the Soviet leader at the time, initiated what was termed Glasnost in 1985. Glasnost was taken to mean increased openness and transparency in government institutions and activities in the Soviet Union, or what was referred to as the USSR. Glasnost uh, reflected a commitment by Gorbachev administration to allow Soviet citizens to discuss publicly the problems of their system and potential solutions. Now, in December of 1988, uh, Gorbachev made this statement, Soviet democracy will be placed on a solid normative base. I am referring in particular to laws on the freedom of conscience, glosnost, public associations and organizations, and many others. And then it happened. The Iron Curtain fell. Now, now the symbolic fall of the Iron Curtain came on November 9, uh, 1989, when the Berlin Wall dividing communist East Berlin and West Berlin was pulled down. However, the formal collapse of the Soviet Union didn't take place until Christmas Day of 1991. Here, on that date, Soviet leader Gorbachev sat down at a a table deep inside the Kremlin and delivered a monumental speech. Gorbachev announced that after 74 years as one of the world's most powerful nations, the Soviet Union no longer existed and would break up into uh, 15 separate countries. Now, what does all of this have to do with kingdom education? When the Soviet Union fell apart, the leaders of the Department of Education in Russia approached some Christian leaders here in the States. From this, three organizations— Campus Crusade for Christ, Walk Through the Bible, and the Association of Christian Schools International, ACSI, came together to form what was called the Commission. Now, many other organizations would eventually join the Commission. At the time, I was serving as the Southeast Regional Director of ACSI, and I had the opportunity to attend uh, sort of a planning and a formation meeting in Phoenix, Arizona. 
At this meeting, an initiative was unveiled where teams of Christians would go into different cities across the former Soviet Union and conduct four-day convocations. Now, while we were at this meeting, someone went and sent, I believe it was Bruce Wilkerson, a quote of Oswald Chambers, and Wilkerson got up and read it to the entire group. Listen to Chambers' powerful words. Chambers said, It is easier to serve God without a vision, easier to work for God without a call, because then you're not bothered by what God requires. Common sense is your guide, veneered over with Christian sentiment. But once you receive a commission from Jesus Christ, the memory of what God wants will always come like a goad and you will no longer be able to work for him on the common sense basis. Boy, when I heard that, I I realized that God was doing something in my life and that this statement would eventually shape the future of my ministry. Now, Now, these convocations that were designed and put together at this meeting would take place at the request of government educational leaders in the new independent states, including Russia. Now, in order for you as a listener to understand the significance of this endeavor, listen to the words of one Russian leader from their Department of Education. Here's what he said. Listen carefully to these words. We kicked God out of our country 70 years ago. Since then, large caverns have developed under our society, and we are collapsing into them. We don't know where they are or how large they are. Our only hope is to bring God back into the country, and we must begin with our children. Boy, if I remember correctly, a little over 200 of these convocations were to take place throughout the former Soviet Union. These four-day conferences would be attended by educators from the state-run schools in each city and surrounding area. A team of Christian educators and laypersons would put on these events. And now listen, here's what the theme they asked us uh, to come in and share with their state uh, teachers. Biblical morality as a foundation for society. Uh, Over the course of the next couple years, uh, I was privileged to participate in several of these convocations. It was on my first trip that God began to do a deep work in my heart. On this trip, I would lead the administrator group, first in uh, Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, While we were over there, they said they pronounced it Kiev, uh, but whichever way you pronounce it, Kiev or Kiev, We were there, and that's been in the news lately. And then we went to another city, Minsk, Belarus. Now, over 400 teachers and school directors attended each of these convocations. Now, I've got to admit, it was amazing and exciting to see scores of men and women who came to these meetings as card-carrying members of the Communist Party and leave having repented of their sins and become had become born-again Christians. Even though this was the most important thing that resulted from these conferences, God was doing something in my life that would set me on a future course on, on where I would focus my attention. 
See, I always knew that there was no such thing as neutral education. However, it was more of a mental awareness that I didn't fully comprehend it until I arrived in Kiev in 1991. On the second day of this convocation, each of us leaders would share his or her personal salvation testimony. I had just finished giving mine to about 40 school leaders when a man asked me some questions. And and here's how the conversation went. He said, uh, does this God you believe in know everything? (laughs) Well, of course, I had to say yes. He's all-knowing. Well, then he asked, did he know that when this Jesus would be born, that over 10,000 baby boys would be murdered? Well, again, I, I sort of had to say yes. He would have known this. Well, then this person said this. Well, then wouldn't it have been better for Jesus not to have been born? It was then I fully comprehended the power that education had, not on merely giving out a lot of facts, but on how it shapes a person's thinking and what a person believes. Now, I explained to this uh, man, I I said, you've got to understand that this wasn't about uh, just someone trying to kill babies. This was Satan's effort to try and destroy Jesus Christ because Satan knew that Jesus Christ would bring hope. So this was an attack by the evil nature of Satan to try and destroy Christ. And if Jesus had never been born, all of us would be set in sin and we would be bound for eternal damnation in hell. So what we've got to understand is education starts shaping how a person thinks and what he believes. Also at Kiev. I was asked another question by one of these administrators that sort of stopped me in my tracks. I was asked how these conferences went over within our government-led schools. Unfortunately, even back in 1991, I had to tell them that these would be illegal in our public schools because it would violate the separation of church and state. What, What shocked me was that this person sort of gasped and emphatically said, what is wrong? Don't they know that education without God is empty? Wow. This person who is steeped in a communist atheistic dogma understood that education was more about beliefs and values and God than knowledge and facts. At another one of these events, I learned that to teach in a state school, a person had to successfully complete two courses in atheism at the university. See, by having this requirement for all teachers, it meant that this belief system or worldview would follow the teacher into the classroom and color everything the teacher taught to his or her students. I was able to visit and tour several schools during these trips, and in some of these schools I saw huge murals, beautiful murals, uh, painted on the walls, but they uh, vividly depicted the evolution of man from lower life forms to being a human being. I realized that the false worldview behind each elaborate painting would be etched on children's minds each day as they passed by them. Now, you have to understand, when the courts ruled that the Ten Commandments cannot be posted 
on the walls in a Kentucky public school. The reason behind this ruling was that if they were posted, students may read them, and if they read them, they may feel obligated to obey them, which would be a violation of separation of church and school. Following that same logic, if students would walk by these murals, they might look at them and feel obligated to believe the falsehoods that were presented. Two other things happened at these convocations that solidified the conviction that education is not neutral, but is in fact religious in its very nature. The first happened when we were conducting a convocation in Magadan. Now, you've got to understand Magadan was one of the port entry cities in eastern Russia where prisoners would enter to go to the horrific Russian gulags. It was said that the city of Magadan was actually built on the blood of the lives of these gulag prisoners who were sentenced mainly because of their religious beliefs and political tendencies especially if they believed in the Bible and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I, I went and gave my testimony, and I shared how here I was presenting the gospel in a building that may have been built on the lives of gulag prisoners who were sentenced because of their belief in this same gospel. Now, a few educators that were there reacted and told me that these prisoners were really murderers, thieves, and rapists, because that's what they were told. However, one woman in tears told the group that her father had survived one of the gulags. She explained how her father would tell her stories of some prisoners who were called, quote-unquote, believers. These believers would give some of their bread to the cruel guards to keep them alive. Also, she explained how these believers would take the very shoes off their own feet and give them to the mean guards, knowing that by doing this, that they would suffer severe frostbite there in the Siberian mountains. Then she said, I always wondered how someone could become a believer. Today, I learned how from Mr. Glenn's testimony. The second thing that God used to begin formulating the concepts that would one day become a book called Kingdom Education took place as I boarded the plane in Magadan to go to our next uh, city. I noticed a USA Today newspaper was stuffed in the seat pocket uh, where I was sitting. It turned out that this plane had just arrived in Magadan from Anchorage, Alaska. And you have to keep in mind that I had just spent a week in a very dark place where one could actually feel the oppression uh, that still held its people in bondage there. I pulled the paper out and opened it only to read the following headline. Supreme Court Extends School Prayer Band. I cannot put into words the emotions that flooded my mind. I had just witnessed many public school teachers in a city still controlled by the Russian KGB embrace the gospel and come believers, while at the same time, prayer to that God was further banned from the public schools in my own country, which was still at the time considered to be, quote-unquote, a Christian nation. Chuck Colson understood the, the power that education had on shaping the beliefs and values of students, 
when he wrote the following in his book, How Now Shall We Live? One of the first actions taken by revolutionary governments is to place all education agencies under the direct control of the state, uh, giving uh, the schools a central hand in, in building a new society. Vladimir Lenin also understood the real impact of education on a child when he said, Give me four years to teach the children, and the seed I have sown will never be uprooted. Another Soviet leader once said, Education is a weapon whose effect depends on who holds it in his hands and whom it is aimed. That Soviet leader was Joseph Stalin. See, what was taking place at these convocations really started impacting how I looked at education and how important a philosophy of education is. There was another thing that took place at one of these convocations that I I can still see vividly in my mind. I, I believe it was the last day of the convocations when we would actually have someone present the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And as this person was presenting the proof of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, a woman teacher in the crowd stood up and started wailing very vocally. And she pushed people aside and she actually went up on the stage and took the microphone out of our speaker's hands. Now, we had simultaneous translation uh, translators, so while Americans were speaking, uh, the Russians would have headphones on listening to the translation. Well, when this woman started wailing and screaming into the microphone in Russian, uh, we as Americans all put our headsets on. And here's what she said. She said, I am too evil to be saved by this God. For 20 years, I have been teaching my children that there is no God. I have literally been sending them to hell. See, she understood that education shapes the beliefs and values, and it's driven by the philosophy of education and the worldview of the teachers. Now, the good news is we were able to take this lady off to the side and explain how God's grace (laughs) was sufficient to save anybody from their sins, and she came to become a believer. See, on these trips over 30 years ago, I saw firsthand how what was taught in school could control an entire empire the size of the former Soviet Union. Now, at that time, (laughs) kingdom education wasn't even a bleep on my radar screen. But I was convinced that one's philosophy of education, which was a result of one's worldview, would be the driving force behind everything that was taught to students. Little did I realize that a few years later, God would move me to serve at Lifeway Christian Resources, where I started telling others what I believed to be true Bible-based, Christ-centered education. As I did this, my leadership told me that I was saying things that weren't being said by others, and I had to put this writing down uh, on paper. And in 1998, the first edition of Kingdom Education was published, followed by the second edition in 2000. 
For 25 years, God has used the message of this book to impact thousands of lives. And what we've got to understand is that I still find myself more and more burdened to see parents, pastors, and Christian educators understand the importance of knowing, understanding, and applying a biblical philosophy of education to everything that takes place in the home, church, and school. Unfortunately, kingdom education has in some ways become a buzzword in the Christian education arena. It has to be more. It must be the driving force behind everything we do when educating a young child. Now, not because I wrote it, but because it is God's plan for educating future generations. It's biblical. See, we've focused on what and how of education too much at the expense of the why we educate. Because of what God began to do in my life 32 years ago in Kiev, Ukraine, I am more determined to help the next generation of parents, church, and school leaders understand kingdom education. See, this is the backstory to why God impressed on my heart to conduct the Kingdom Education Summit, which I started uh, doing two years ago. I, I cannot explain how important it is for Christian school leaders and pastors to attend one of this summer's uh, summits. At a summit, uh, we will learn the need for kingdom education, how to fully understand kingdom education, and then how to develop strategies to apply and advance kingdom education in the home, church, and school. This isn't just some option that's available. It's, it's a must. We must do this. I really want to encourage those who live in the western part of the country to do whatever it takes to have someone from your school's leadership team attend the Kingdom Education Summit that will take place in Phoenix, Arizona. Over the years, people have asked me time and time again, when are you coming out west with some Kingdom Education event? Well, it's out there now. I need you to be part of that. See, we must make sure that we are not merely being better carbon copies of secular educational programs in public and private schools. We must be distinctively biblical in all we do. So if you haven't registered for one of this summer's Kingdom Education Summits, go to my website, kingdomeducationministries.com. Let me repeat that, kingdomeducationministries.com. Go there today and register. Parents, church leaders, and Christian educators must unite under a biblical philosophy of education, which I term kingdom education, and educate our children and youth so that what? They will be able to think and act from a biblical worldview. Christian school administrators need to make sure that some, if not all of your leadership team, needs to be at a summit either in Raleigh, North Carolina, or Phoenix, Arizona. I cannot emphasize how important it is for you to attend one of these events. I hope to see you this summer at a summit nearest you. And I want to again thank you for tuning in to Kingdom Currents. Please continue to share this podcast with others. We must do everything we can to understand and practice God's plan for educating future generations. Until next time, have a blessed day.
Southwest Christian School has made biblical worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit, regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool. Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit Bible Classes for Public Schools.com.